Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good morning, River. Hey, well, if you're wondering why Pastor Jason is not here to bring the word this morning, him and a team are actually right now in Malawi, Africa at our campus there. Yeah, super, super cool. Um, I've gotten lots of pictures sent to me of just all the cool things going on there, but I really felt like I needed to tell a story this morning. And so... um, My dad called me, and he was telling me that they got to their hotel the very first day, and they walked in, and they were getting all checked in and everything, and they looked over, and in the lobby up in the corner, there was a spider about the size of my dad's hand, and... uh, and so Bob, who is with them, he's on our board, uh, went over and was looking at the spider, and he asked, he asked the, um, the lady working there, he said, what kind of spider is this? And she goes, it's a spider. And he's like, but this is pretty big, so like, what kind is it? And she goes, that's not a very big spider. And, uh, and he's like, ooh, like that, you know, whatever. So then they went about their day, and then they came back later, and, um, and the spider was gone, and I was like, well, that would freak me out if that spider was missing. Um, So then they asked the lady what happened to the spider, and she goes, oh, I I took care of it. And they're like, oh, you had somebody come remove it? And she goes, no, 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 I took care of it. Your friend was scared of spiders, so I removed it. (laughs) So if you could all just do me a favor, if you know Bob, just give him a hard time for me, okay? Because I know I wouldn't have been able to sleep in that hotel. I would have been scared the whole, I, I hate spiders. But I felt more comfortable because I found out uh, from his wife this morning that she takes care of all the spiders in their house. So it made me feel a little bit better. Made me feel a little bit better. Hey, well, normally um, we do something that we call a, uh, a recap video, and that shows everything that went on the previous month. And, and this month, April fell, Easter fell on the first weekend, so we didn't get to do a recap video. So I feel like if you're going to give the youth pastor the microphone, it's only fair that I get to promote my own ministry, right? That's only fair. So I just wanted to share a little bit of what went on in March. At the beginning of March, we had something that we call Winter Retreat, which is basically like a weekend getaway with our youth group. Um, we, We took about 60 of us up to Triple Play in Idaho. And, um, and so we got to, they, the kids got to like go on water slides and have all this fun. But then we also got to have two services and uh, Pastor Vance from Generations Church, he actually preached at it. But um, the thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, when you go to like a camp or something like that, you know, like there's kids that are just going for the games. And then you have kids who are like, oh, no, 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 I'm here for God. Well, we had that. And, I, and as a youth pastor, you can usually tell who's who. But I really felt like by the time we left, every single student had just had this encounter with God in a whole new way. And it was so, so cool. I remember driving back and we were just asking students what their favorite part of winter retreat was. And almost all of them, it was either a worship session or a prayer time. Or, and so God has just been moving in this next generation and it has been super cool to see. And so I'm sure Cassie already played all those photos and stuff. But I just wanted to give you a recap because we didn't get to do a recap video. So... The other really cool thing that I got to mention last night 
is Star Valley, our campus in Star Valley, Wyoming, actually launched their youth group last month. And so will you give them a round of applause? That's a big deal. So that's super cool. Stacy and Zeb are heading that up. And so they have their next youth group on April 21st, but they've been leading that. And so that's super cool. We're excited to see that. I constantly see church plants waiting five, 10 years. They're waiting for them to be able to afford a youth pastor or somebody who wants to come and do it. But they just took the reins and they are running it and leading it. And so we're super excited for them. Um, so anyway, so I just wanted to mention that because I got to mention it too last night. But the Lord has been preparing, honestly, kind of preparing my heart for this message um, this weekend. The Lord's really been doing something in me, and I would say probably since the beginning of this year, the last few months, I've just really felt um, like the Lord has been pushing me. And the thing I want to talk about, and it's up on the screen, is as Christians, how is it that we can have intimacy with God. This is something that the Holy Spirit's really been laying on my heart. And so it's something that I've really been digging into. And, and something that really helped was this year we got to go to um, Jesus Culture's pastor conference. So the whole staff at um, River got to go to that. And um, basically, if you've ever gone to like Bible camp growing up or anything like that, I called it pastor's camp because that's the only way I could really explain it. It's like it's like Bible camp, but for pastors. So it was really cool. I've been to a lot of different conferences and some conferences are really good about giving you like ministry, um, like advice and like tactical things and administrative things and things to help you be like a better leader. But the really cool thing about this one was it really pushed me spiritually. And it was something that the Holy Spirit was just like revealing things to me. And so it was super, super cool. And, the, and one of the big things that I got that I felt like I was supposed to share with you this morning is there we went to a breakfast that was for just next generation leaders and pastors, which is, which is just anyone under 18. So if you're doing youth ministry or kids ministry or whatever that looks like. Um, but it was this youth pastor who now is a lead pastor, but he married into a family where his father-in-law was known as one of the greatest youth pastors in the state of California, grew one of the biggest youth ministries, and then he felt called to youth ministry, and I was like, well, no pressure there, um, no reputation to try to live up to there. Um, but he starts explaining that he, he was doing youth ministry for years and years, and he just felt like he couldn't get his youth ministry to grow. He felt like it kept growing and shrinking and growing and shrinking. And that's honestly usually how youth ministry go, goes, is it's like a constant battle of growth and, and, and shrinking. And so he said that one day he finally, it was a Wednesday night, youth group had started, the youth worship team was playing, his office was off the auditorium. And he said he was sitting in his office and he was just frustrated with the Lord. And so he just began asking God, why is it that our youth ministry just won't grow? He said that he began pounding his fist against the wall. And finally, he heard the Holy Spirit um, just speak to him and say, is this your ministry or is it my ministry? And, and he just felt so convicted in that moment. And, it, and he was like, it's yours. You can have it. I don't want it. Like, you take it. Like, it's your ministry. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit basically was like, okay, if you're going to let me lead, then let me lead. So then he allows the Holy Spirit to lead. So the Holy Spirit, the first thing he tells him is, rip up your sermon for tonight. It's no good anyways. And, uh, and so he rips up his sermon and he goes out. And it was, this, it was this really cool story. He goes on to explain just like the changes in his youth ministry from that point forward. 
Well, right after that breakfast, we had a session where we were just spending time in worship. And I remember just sitting down and going before the Lord, and I, I felt convicted. I knew I had to ask the question. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, are you leading this ministry or am I leading this ministry? And he responded by saying, is Frontline Youth your ministry or is it my ministry? And I took a pause and I, and I didn't want to answer quick. I wanted to say both, but I knew that wasn't what I could say. I knew it wasn't the truth. And so finally I just said, it's your ministry. And so he said, okay, are you going to let me lead your ministry? And I said, yes, you can lead the ministry. And so when I got back here, we, we made some changes to, to what I wanted Frontline Youth to look like. But the really cool thing is I have just gotten to witness the Holy Spirit work in ways that I haven't gotten to witness before. And leading up to Winter Retreat, we had six weeks of a series, um, actually that Ethan, my mentee, um, you see him playing the bass and stuff like that, but he actually came up with the series. He came up with what the sermons were gonna be about. And then we had four different speakers, um, all different youth staff, uh, preach leading up to Winter Retreat. And I just watched the Holy Spirit work through every one of those leaders preparing the sermon, but it was preparing the hearts of those students who are going to then go to winter retreat. And so it's been super cool. I just have had like, I've really been challenged this year. And so been super cool to just watch the Holy Spirit work um, within, within youth group and stuff like that. So our key verse for this morning is going to be found in John 15, and it's going to be John 15, 9. And I was hoping to hear like a bunch of Bibles turning and stuff, but I don't, I don't feel like that happens as much anymore. So as you unlock your phones to go to, uh, it's John 15, 9. This is Jesus speaking and he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. This is a verse that over the last few months, I've really felt the Lord continue to bring me back to. And it'll be in times where I have this fear or I have this doubt or I'm just like in the middle of a struggle, I will just constantly feel the Lord make me go back and reread it. And it's funny because I already have it memorized. I know it by now, but he makes me open my Bible and go back and reread it. But as I was preparing this message, I really feel like as Christians, sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity. I think sometimes we get so in our head about what this relationship is supposed to look like. And so the first thing I want us to write down this morning, my first point, this is the one that I want you to underline, highlight, this is what I want you to get out of this morning. My job is to love Jesus. His job is to work things together for me. I so often catch myself, as soon as struggle hits, as soon as there's a situation, I'm just trying to fix it. I'm trying to grab whatever I can to be in control and fix it myself. But that's not my job. My job is not to work things together. My job is to love Jesus. Romans 8.28, this is one if you grew up in the church, you've heard very often. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. But I wanted to just underline for the good of those who love God. See, our job is to love God. I think a lot of times in church, and this is still a good thing, we love to talk about how much God loves us 
And that's super important. We need to understand how much God loves us. But I think we miss the fact on how much we're supposed to love God. See, and so I want to kind of flip the script a little bit this morning, and I want to talk about our love for God. Over the last few weeks leading into Easter, I've, I've had multiple conversations. We've had different um, people come up and preach and talk about the two thieves on the cross. And I was really thinking about how well that ties in this morning with what I'm talking about. See, there were two thieves, and one of them scoffed at Jesus, but the other one found in Luke 23, 39 through 43. The other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. See, that thief, he wasn't at church every Sunday. He didn't take a bunch of theology classes. He didn't give everything he had to the poor. He didn't even live a life after God. But you see, in his final moments, in, in, in his greatest struggle, he reached out to God, looking for love and for mercy. And I think sometimes when we're in our greatest trials, when things are going toughest for us, when all of a sudden that financial thing comes, or all of a sudden we have a medical issue, or our relationships are on the fence, or we have this fear, or we have this doubt, what I want to ask you this morning is, do you love God the same in the midst of your struggles? We're going to talk about remaining in this love of God. But what I mean by that is I don't mean God, God's love ever changes because it doesn't. He loves us the same always. But for us, we can take a step back out of that love and love him less. And that's what I want us to understand this morning. So are we choosing to remain in God's love? Do we choose God's love as much in the times of joy as in the times of trial? As I was preparing for this message, I had a student on Wednesday, we did a prayer and worship night at youth group. And I had a student come up to me and they said, I really feel like I'm getting this vision from God, but I just don't understand what it is or what it means. So he begins to explain that he, he can picture his bedroom and he's getting it all cleaned up. He's getting it all neat. He's getting it all tidy. He's taking out the trash. He's doing everything he can to make his room look really nice. But he said the problem is he constantly has to go to work or he has to go to school or he has to go um, hang out with friends or whatever. And every time he goes and does one of those things, he walks back into the room and he brings something with him and he sets it down. And he said, and he'll notice he tracks mud or he does whatever and the room becomes messy again and he'll, he'll lose focus and he'll be doing something else and then he'll remember, oh, I really wanted to do this. This is something I'm passionate about. This is something I need to do. And he said, as soon as he stands up, to go do whatever it is that he really wanted to do, he'll notice this mess. And he'll go, oh, I have to clean that first. I can't, I can't go and, and do what I need to do. I have to get this cleaned up first, and then, and then I can go, uh, go do what I wanted to do. And I was really thinking about this over this last week, about, about this vision, about this example. And I was thinking, as Christians, I think sometimes this is how we, we look at our walk with the Lord. I said, if our heart is that room, see, I think so often 
we get so focused on making sure that our heart is all cleaned up before we can go to the Lord, before we can spend time with him, before we can enter a time of worship or a time of prayer. We're like, oh, I gotta get everything cleaned up because I'm, I'm a mess right now. And then, then I can talk to him. But that's not how our Lord works. That's not how God works. And I think River of Life, this is something, if you've been here for any amount of time that you've, hear, that you've heard, but you are never too messy to be loved by Jesus. But I also want to flip it. You are never too messy to love Jesus. See, the enemy, he wants us to focus on the unimportant things. He wants us to focus on the junk. He wants us to be distracted long enough that then we forget we were ever going to go spend that time with the Lord, that we were ever gonna get on our hands and knees and pray, that we were ever gonna go to church that weekend. He wants us to focus on all the junk. But see, Jesus, the way that he works is when, when your heart's a mess, when there's stuff going on and you reach out to Jesus, he actually comes and he begins cleaning the room for us. See, that thief on the cross, he could have focused on all his junk, he could have said, I didn't live a life after God, so I better clean everything up before I can reach out to Jesus. He said, I deserve to die. But see, he still reached out to Jesus, and that's why we find him in paradise with Jesus later. Remain in God's love. So what happens when we don't remain in his love? John 15, six, this is a couple verses before what I read. This is Jesus still speaking. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch that withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. See, we get tossed out. We are useless because we are not fulfilling the purpose he designed us for. We were designed for relationship with him. We were designed to love him and to be loved by him. So how is it that we remain in God's love? Well, Jesus has an answer for that too. John 15, 10, when you obey my commandments, this is Jesus, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. See, Jesus was always the perfect example. And actually leading into Easter, we did this whole series and I was going through the gospels and rereading them. And the Holy Spirit was constantly just pointing out to me how obedient Jesus was to the Father. And the funny thing is, is Jesus could have come and said, I'm here to accomplish my plan. But he didn't. He said, I'm here to accomplish the Father's will. And we see constantly as Jesus is leaving early in the morning, he's leaving the disciples and he's going off and he's praying. We see as... as um, as groups would gather and there's healing taking place and all of a sudden Jesus' name is known in this town, all of a sudden he would just say to the disciples, oh, nope, we're moving on. The father said we gotta go to the next town. And even Jesus, before he dies, he says, not your will be done, or not my will be done, but your will be done, yeah. right? He was constantly obedient to the father. He was the perfect example of obedience, our heart of obedience is what positions us 
to remain in God's love. God's love never changes for us, but our love, we can easily take that step back and not be loving God as much in a season. The Lord does this thing with me when I, when I like to read scripture. He'll constantly, it'll be just for seasons where I just reread the same book in the Bible over and over. And he'll continue to just illuminate new things that I didn't even see the first couple times. And for me right now, that's just been 1 Samuel. I've probably read it three or four times now in the last six months. I just constantly am going back to it. But early on in, in Samuel, we see the story of Samuel and Eli. And before we even get there, we see that Hannah is the, is the mom of Samuel. And we see her in the tabernacle. She is on her hands and knees, and she is just crying out to God. She is begging God for a, for a son. And we see her... Um, we see her beg for this son and she tells the Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him right back to you and he will serve you until the end of his days. And so the Lord hears her plea and, and then we see that Samuel is born and that she has, she has this son. And she goes and she drops him off at the tabernacle to assist Eli and that's his way that he's going to begin serving the Lord but I just want to talk about it because I think it gets so missed. She was begging the Lord for something. And I think so often we go, Lord, I will give you anything if you just do this one thing for me. But see, she was so serious that she walked out that obedience. She wanted a son so badly, and yet she was still able to turn around and leave her son at the tabernacle. But I wanted to mention that because after that obedience we see in a chapter later, it says the Lord would then bless Hannah with three more sons and two daughters. And that's following that obedience. Obey God's commands. We see that Samuel then assists Eli in the tabernacle, but Eli has his own two sons. And we see in scripture that they are known as wicked men. They are scoundrels who do not honor the Lord. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, he served the Lord. And I love this verse. This verse is something that I, I constantly, I just love going back and reading. It's Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. But Eli, he begins to sense God's anger with his two sons who are, who are being disobedient. And so Eli actually gets a warning from God. He basically gets this warning that his sons need to be corrected. So at one point, Eli goes, he confronts his sons. He tells them that they need to knock it off and they don't listen. So, Sam, or so then Eli would get two more warnings. And this is found in uh, 1 Samuel 2, 29 through 31. This is God speaking through a messenger. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. I just have, I have a couple that I, I underlined that I just want you to hear. This is God speaking to Eli. Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? And then a, a couple verses down it says, but I will honor those who honor me and I will despise those who think lightly of me. See, Eli values his relationship with his sons more than his relationship with the Lord. And Eli then loses his family and his legacy because of his disobedience. 
When the Pharisees asked Jesus what the most important commandment was, this is found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So as we continue, as you continue into chapter uh, three of 1 Samuel, you'll actually begin seeing that the Lord is now going to speak to Samuel. And Samuel doesn't know the Lord's voice. So you watch as Samuel wakes up, he hears the Lord speaking, but he runs into the other room thinking Eli has called him. So he says, Eli, what, what, what do you need? And Eli says, I did not call you, go back to sleep. This happens three times, and then we watch as, um, as Eli then that third time realizes this must be the Lord trying to speak to Samuel. So he tells Samuel, go back, lay down, go back to bed. And if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But the thing I want to point out is Eli goes back to sleep. And I was really thinking about how as Christians, how this really can tie in with us. And I was thinking about in my own life, how easy it is to see that God is moving somewhere or God is speaking to someone. We'll see it on Instagram. We'll see all these crazy cool movements of God and how easy it is for me to just like it and continue on looking at Instagram or whatever it is. See, that to me, that's us saying, we know that the Lord is speaking, but we're gonna go back to sleep. I don't wanna live in a generation that is able to go back to sleep knowing that the Lord is speaking. See, we live in a time where if we know the Lord is speaking, we can get on our hands and knees and we can just say, Lord, speak to me now. God, I want more of you and less of me. See, we have that opportunity to have this relationship, but so often we see those things and we go, that's really cool, thumbs up, and then we go back to sleep. But Samuel, he answers the Lord's call. He says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And this is something else that the Holy Spirit has really been working on my heart with. Over the last few months, this has completely changed my prayer life. Because it's coming to this place of understanding of my job is to love you, which means my job is to serve you. So my prayer life has changed to speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And right away, when I go to pray, that's the first thing that I say, and it changes my heart posture with the Lord. So what happens if we don't obey his commands? See, then we begin to believe that our plans are better than his plans. King Saul was told before he would go into battle that he was supposed to make a sacrifice to God, but that he was supposed to wait for Samuel to be there, to be present. But he begins watching as his men become restless, as they can see the other army is preparing for battle. And so he watches as his men, it says, begin to scatter. So out of fear of losing his men, he makes the sacrifice before Samuel arrives. And when Samuel arrives, he says, how foolish. You have not kept the command of the Lord your, uh, the Lord your God gave you. You have, had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. 
but now your kingdom must end for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. So like Saul, we will watch the Lord pull out the plans that he had originally intended for us when we walk in a life of disobedience. Remain in his love, obey his commands. The last one that I have is have holy reverence for his name. This is one, this is a hard one. And the way that I'm gonna explain it, this is the way that I really take holy reverence when it comes to the Lord. It is this profound respect and honor for who God is. See, I think in church, it's really easy to say God is our friend and he 110% is. But friend does not mean equal. And I think so often we can twist this into thinking that we are equal with God. And let me tell you, we are nowhere near equal with the Lord. We have to have this holy reverence for his name, this honor, this respect that goes so much further than just a friendship. See, when you respect somebody, when you value their name, when they speak, it matters to you. You instantly listen. When I have somebody that I respect, I want to hear what they have to say. And there is weight that I put to their words. We have to submit to God. In today's culture, I think it's really easy with, with social media and things like that. You'll see people become famous overnight. And I think it's really easy for us to actually have more reverence for man than it is for God. I think we have this, this fear inside of us more about what others think of us than what God thinks of us. And we need to be really careful with that. So what happens when we don't have reverence for God? We begin to replace God. Whether that means we have something else in our life that we believe is more important than God, or it means that we, we begin to believe that we are equal to God. There is a famous pastor, and if I were to say his name, you would know it. Most of you would probably know it. But he's had a sermon that's kind of been all over Instagram and whatever that, that's been going around. And I just wanted to take a couple of quotes um, and just read them for you this morning because I think it really ties in with understanding holy reverence. So this is the first quote that he said during a sermon. God decided male and female. If I was there, maybe I would have told him, is there something in the middle you could do. This is the second quote. I wish there was an option of other in the kingdom, still referring to gender. I wish God would have made it so much simpler, like A, B, C, or D. The reason I'm reading these two is because I think we need to understand we are not equal to God. There is a reason I was not at the beginning and you were not at the beginning. There is a reason for that. We are not meant to be God and thank God for that. Because I try to take over my own life and it goes, it's chaos, 
right? When I don't submit to God, it's complete chaos. We were not meant to be God, but we have to understand that yes, he is a friend, but we are meant to have this honoring relationship, this respect. We are his servant. And we need to be so careful because I see so often, we love to talk about how much God loves us, but do we love God? Do we truly love him the same? Are we able to surrender and submit and to just spend that time in his presence? See, Eli, he valued his sons over God. King Saul, he feared his men more than he feared God. The thing that really set me up to try to look into what this intimacy with God really looks like is at my commissioning as a pastor, my grandpa gave me one of his Bibles and it was a Bible that he used to preach from and study from. And I remember going home and I remember, I remember just going through and looking at all the highlighted stuff and just rereading stuff in there. But in the very front, the first thing when you open, there's a quote that he wrote down. The quote says, a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. So I wanna give you something tangible this morning. When I'm talking about us remaining in his love, I get the question so often, how is it that you stay motivated to be in your word? But see, when we understand this love that God has for us, we should want nothing more but to just love him back. It should create this desire to just love him. And when you love someone, you want to get to know them. And the way to get to know the Lord, he wrote an entire book of his love story to you. And so we should want to spend time reading his word and understanding this great love that he has for us. I didn't share this last night, but I felt like I'm supposed to share it this morning. When we're talking about this, this love, I really feel, um, this is, a, this is a kind of a silly example, but my little brother and I, we didn't get along growing up and now, now we're on good terms. We have a really good relationship, but to kind of explain this a little bit, my little brother, I counted this morning, since Sunday has called me 12 times. See, he has this love for me. <laughs> but I often will use this excuse of I'm busy, I'm working, I'm with friends, and I will decline his call. And you know what happens when I decline his call? Oh, he calls me right back. I will text him, hey, I'm at work, you're not busy. See, and it doesn't seem to matter how many times I decline him constantly still calls me <laughs> over and over but I started putting this into perspective and I said how often when the Lord is calling us do we say we don't have time right now we're so busy and he continues to call see his love for us never changes it doesn't matter what we do his love for us doesn't change but so often we don't love him back the same way and what I want us to understand this morning is we are supposed to have this love for him. 
His love for us can never be comprehended, honestly. And we can never love him the way that he loves us, but we should be trying our very best to love him. And so it should create this desire for us to be in, in, in our words, in the Bible. And when we start getting into the Bible, when we start reading, it'll start creating this desire to obey his commands because yes, we, once we understand how good our God is, we should want nothing more but to serve him and walk in faith the life, the plan, the purpose that he has for each and every one of us. And so as we begin understanding his purpose for us, it creates this desire to get on our hands and knees and just spend time in prayer, just asking God, what is it? What's next for me? What do you want me to do? How can I serve you, Lord? It should create this desire in our hearts. And then as we begin walking out, that it begins to create this awe, this holy reverence, this respect, this honor for who God is. We should all have that. And if we don't, we need to spend more time with him because we truly don't understand the God that we get to serve. We truly don't understand the love that he has for us. If God would send his one and only son to die, that should be motivation enough to wake up 15 minutes early and spend time with him before we go to work. So as we have this awe of who he is and this, it will create this desire of just truly wanting to worship out of a sense of he is so much greater. It's not a worship out of a friend, but out of how much greater he is than I. And once we get there, that leads us right back into desiring to love him. See, it's a cycle that continues. This intimacy with God is this cycle that will just continue as we just press more into who God is and as we remain in his love and begin to obey his commands and then have this true reverence for who he is. I didn't know last night how it was gonna end and I really felt like last night the Holy Spirit just kind of kicked in and he told me what we were supposed to do and I feel like we're supposed to do that this morning. So the worship team is gonna come up here but I really feel like before they start, each and every one of us, we need to spend that moment with the Lord and just coming back to this place of loving who God is. And it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years. We all need to come back to this place of, Lord, I just love you. And watch what he begins to do in us because he has plans and purpose and desires for every one of us. And so often I think we understand his love for us, but we're too busy. And we make excuses on why we can't remain in his love, but Jesus is very clear that we need to remain in his love just as he remained in the Father's love. So I'm gonna pray, the worship team will come up here, but we're gonna just spend some time before worship starts, just spending that time with him. Whether that for you is in prayer or in your word or just on your hands and knees in worship, whatever that looks like for you, we just need to come back to this place of loving Jesus. So you bow your heads with me. Lord, we're just so thankful for this morning. God, we're just so thankful for this great love you have for us. 
And God, I just pray that every single person in here would just lean in a little bit more this morning, God, that we would not walk out that door without seeking more of you. God, we're just so thankful for the desires you place on our heart. We're so thankful that we get to serve you and we're just so thankful for how good you are to us. Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, you'd be moving, changing hearts, Lord, opening our eyes to see what you have for us. God, we're just so thankful for all that you do. We ask all this in your holy and precious name, Jesus. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.